When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, January 30th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Could see some flurries this morning, then a mostly cloudy day, high 39. Tonight, no overnight yeah the clouds hang around low 35 and then guess what's going to happen wednesday yeah more clouds high 42 this is becoming incredibly depressing when was the last time we saw the sun i can't remember but if you are walking out the door with us right now 34 and cloudy in long beach out on long island it's 36 and cloudy in long branch down in new jersey and it is 34 and cloudy outside our Midtown studios right now. we got a whole lot to get to as we work our way up to another special edition of Sit-In Friends in the Morning, live from Jerusalem. Not too far away from there is where that drone strike took place over the weekend that killed three American soldiers. President Biden waiting options to retaliate against Iranian-backed militants, would they say, is behind the drone strike in Jordan that killed these three U.S soldiers injured dozens more it's not a hundred percent clear it's from the iranians but uh here's more on that we will respond we'll do that on our schedule in our time and we'll do it in the manner of the president's choosing as commander-in-chief national security council spokesman there john kirby talking to reporters yesterday says the president holding meetings with national security team he stressed that the u.s is not looking to engage in war with Iran, which has denied involvement in the attack, by the way. Reports suggest the enemy drone evaded U.S. air defenses because it was mistaken for an American drone returning to the base. It marks the first U.S. troops killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. The counter-ISIS mission is separate and distinct. Indeed, it has been long-standing and unrelated to our efforts to support Israel and to prevent a wider conflict in the region. Yeah, Kirby says he doesn't want, and where he says the U.S. doesn't want to escalate tensions in the Middle East, which, of course, are already very intense. We do not seek another war. We do not seek to escalate. But we will absolutely do what is required to protect ourselves, to continue that mission, and to respond appropriately to these attacks. Of course, everybody wants to weigh in on this. Defense Secretary says he's outraged by the attack at that outpost in Jordan. The President and I will not tolerate attack on U.S. forces, and we will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin there. Republicans demanding the White House do something after the weekend attack that killed the three soldiers. One of them Congressman Tony Gonzalez from Texas says he's getting flashbacks of what was happening right before 9-11. No one heard of al-Qaeda before, but they were they were bombing the USS Cole. They were bombing embassies leading up to that. Feels the exact same way. 
And we're getting the identities, the names of those three soldiers who were killed. One of them, an Army reservist from New Jersey, Sergeant William Jerome Rivers. He's 46 years old from Willingboro, one of the three that were killed. They were all reservists assigned to the 926 Engineer Brigade based out of Fort Moore, Georgia. Back here in New York, there have been a lot of people in Murray Hill that have been going the last couple of days with no hot water, no heat in their house. It's been some sort of problem under Brown uh, with Con Ed and some pipes. These are it's a lot of people because we're talking about five buildings in Murray Hill, apartment buildings. It's a lot of folks. And they say the first day wasn't so bad Saturday because there was sort of residual heat in the building. But that's all gone now. For a while yesterday, they did get the water flowing, but it was about an hour. And then all of a sudden it was turned off again. So people in these buildings, some of them have been able to move out. Some of them are elderly and don't have another place to go and are just suffering through it all. No hot water, no heat. I'm freezing to death. Well, I went to the gym this morning to shower. Uh, I was hoping it would be fixed by now, but uh, we'll see. I don't want to get out of bed. My hair is filthy. So far, it's like, oh, it's coming on in an hour. Oh, we had this. It's coming on in another hour. Yeah, just some of the fun sometimes of living in the big city. Con Ed has isolated a section of steam main that's affecting service to these five buildings due to water from a water main leak. It's one of these complicated issues. There were people out there all night hammering away near 3rd Avenue and 37th Street, not too far away from our studios, trying to fix what was wrong. And, of course, it's been kind of cold the last couple of days, so people say it hasn't been pleasant at all. I'm more worried about the older people in the building. Um, I was just able to go to a friend's house, so I'm not too worried. But there are some, some older folks that definitely don't have access to that, so I'm definitely a little more worried for them. Yeah, so the problem is far from over. Once the city figures out how to fix the leak, they'll have to shut down the heat and hot water all over again. So it could be another day. I don't know. They wouldn't really give us a timeline. We've been getting emails from the building management, uh, but it just seems like every time just, you know, we're still working on it, we're still working on it, we'll keep you posted. Uh, no definitive timeline. Big day in the city council, this high-profile showdown. Mayor Adams, city council, will vote today on whether to override the mayor's vetoes of a pair of law enforcement bills. One measure proposed banning solitary confinement in city jails. Our own Curtis Sliwa pushing back against that idea. In fact, he was outside Rikers Island talking about this last night. Now I'm back in the rock, but you know I never left. You just, well, the city didn't elect me mayor. This mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, he's left the CEOs out to dry. This whole bill about eliminating solitary confinement, that was over with with de Blasio. That is nonsense. And now they're going to be putting 30 of these guys on a bus with no cuffs? That is insanity. Look, when the cops make a bus, they cuff the guy and they put him in the back. You're going to have 30 people on a bus and they're not going to let you cuff them? And then if all of a sudden one of these guys decides to slice you, what do you give them a timeout for two hours? Then you put them back in the general population. They don't even move him from his area of confinement. They have made correctional officers an endangered species. You got a friend in Curtis Sliwa. I'm coming after Mayor Eric Adams, that's for sure, in this city council, because nobody's looking out for you in this city. Yeah, so they're going to have to uh, peel off the mayor, a couple city council members who will take his side. 
uh, to override the veto. One measure proposes the banning of solitary confinement. You heard that from Curtis there. The second, known as the How Many Stops Act, would require NYPD officers to document all encounters with the public. We're going to get more into this story as the morning wears on. WABC News Time 509. New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer has become an awfully good friend of WABC. He's been pushing to keep AM radios in all cars, including electric vehicles. The Democrat calling on the National Highway Safety Administration to require the sticker prices of electric cars without AM to include warnings that they're unsafe in certain emergencies. Here he was yesterday. Buying a car without AM radio is like buying a car without an emergency parking brake. You may not use it every day. But you'll be glad you have it if your brakes ever go out. The congressman says there's broad bipartisan support for a bill ensuring that AM's included in a car's features at no additional cost to consumers. He's accused automakers of, like uh, Tesla, of putting family safety at risk just to save a few bucks. When the cell phone runs out, the Internet gets cut off, or the television doesn't work because of no electricity or power to your house, you can still turn on your AM radio. If their electric vehicle excludes AM radio... Auto manufacturers should be required to note in big red letters on the sticker price that's in your window, warning, no AM radio, vehicle unsafe in certain emergencies. WABC News Time 510. The MTA releasing new results of a customer survey. Well, this should be interesting. According to its new fall survey, customer satisfaction of the overall bus and subway system is down. The agency found that improving wait times, reliability, and safety concerns would improve ratings. Customers say their biggest safety concerns are homelessness and people behaving erratically. Meantime, the MTA says its goal is to raise customer satisfaction to 70%. Currently, subway satisfaction is at 52%, while buses are at 57%. Yeah, that's not very good. 5.11, Texas has been busy rolling out even more razor wire on the border with Mexico, despite the Supreme Court ruling that allows federal agents to cut it. Activists say instead of stopping the flow of illegal immigration, they say this actually is attracting migrants. Here's their argument. They're not trying to circumvent law enforcement. They're just trying to turn themselves into law enforcement or to CBP agents, whoever it is. Christine Edder there with the Texas Immigration Law Council says the wire funnels border crossers to places where they can claim asylum. It does not stop them. That's her argument. The wire in place in December when a record number of illegal immigrants were caught at the southern border, showing it has little impact, she says, on the flow north. They're funneling people or they're redirecting people but it doesn't do anything to actually deter. This isn't designed to prevent people from crossing. It's just to redirect them to certain locations to make them easier to apprehend. That taking place as a convoy of truckers are headed to the U.S.-Mexico border. The Take Our Border Back Southern Border Convoy will hold protests urging officials to enforce the Constitution's amendments and halt human and drug trafficking across the border starting today through February 3rd. The coalition alleges the Biden administration violates Article 4 of the Constitution, which mandates the federal government protect states against invasion. The group plans to peacefully protest in Eagle Pass, Texas. I'm Rebecca Hughes. The Biden administration calling on House Republicans to get on board with a bipartisan border deal expected to come out of the Senate. The bipartisan agreement that they're coming forward with are things that House Republicans have said and Republicans more broadly said they wanted. They have said over and over again, this is what they want to see. Press Secretary Corinne uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre there says the deal includes real policy changes. House Republicans have said they wanted. This comes after House Speaker Mike Johnson late last week said the deal was likely dead on arrival. 
You've heard the president loud and clear. Congress needs to act. It, we, they must act. Uh, Speaker Johnson and House Republicans should. They should provide the administration with the policy changes and also the funding needed to deal with the border. Here's what the president claims, that the emerging deal would be the toughest and fairest set of reforms to secure the border ever in the U.S. and includes presidential authority to shut the border down. He said it would use that authority the day he signs that bill into law. House Republicans, meanwhile, bringing forward articles of impeachment against the head of Homeland Security. Texas Congressman Pat Fallon accuses him of refusing to comply with immigration law and the breach of public trust. I mean, it, it, it's there's no other explanation for it. The House Homeland Security Committee will mark up the articles of impeachment today against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Congressional Democrats call the impeachment efforts a sham. He's violated the Immigration and Nationality Act of seven, eight times over. WABC Newstime 514. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is back to work at the Pentagon following his controversial hospitalization. During a meeting with the NATO Secretary General, Austin told reporters he feels good and is recovering well. Austin was hospitalized earlier this month due to complications from a December surgery to treat prostate cancer. He faced sharp criticism and calls from some to resign after it was revealed that President Biden and top officials weren't notified of his absence until days later. I'm Mark Mayfield. A former IRS contractor who stole and then leaked the tax records of Donald Trump and others sentenced with prison time. Charles Littlejohn sentenced to five years in prison after pleading guilty in October to one count of unauthorized disclosure of tax returns. Investigators say he leaked the tax records of the former president and other wealthy individuals like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos to media organizations, including The New York Times. Judge Ana Reyes called it the biggest heist in IRS history and added that targeting the sitting president president of the United States was an attack on our constitutional democracy. Before sentencing, Little John said he'd acted out of a sincere but misguided belief that he was serving the public. Lit- WABC News Time 515. This is normally where we would do sports with Justin Ellick. Now, he is in Jerusalem, and I think he's got his face in a plate of hummus, so he didn't make it to work on time to do the sports report. So, you ready for this? Somebody has sent me their own sports report. And uh, I feel like maybe we should give this person a shot. What do you think? I'm down for that. Yeah. Okay. So play that sports music. All right. 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC sports desk. And here's Rhonda Moss. Chiefs pass rusher Charles Amena, who suffered a torn ACL in their win over the Ravens. He'll miss their Super Bowl 58 matchup against the Niners in Vegas. Niners tight end George Kittle day to day with the toe injury. The Falcons announced former Rams assistant head coach Jimmy Lake as their next defensive coordinator. In a game that featured 24 lead changes, six ties, the Timberwolves knocked off the Thunder, now lead the West at 33-14. and Nikola Jokic, 25 points, 16 boards, 12 dimes. Nuggets took down the Bucks in Doc Rivers' debut as Milwaukee's new head coach. Jalen Brunson with the game-high 32 to help the Knicks beat the Hornets for their seventh straight win. The Twins traded second baseman Jorge Polanco to the Mariners in exchange for four players. Angels signed veteran outfielder Aaron Hicks to a one-year deal worth the league minimum of $740,000. Hmm, right. That's sports. Rhonda Moss, NBC News Radio. All right, not that so bad. All right, Rhonda Moss. That was good. We got All the right. NBA scores. She did, and <laughs> she was uh, gave us a little Super Bowl action in there as well. You Touched know, on everything. Yeah. Like it. Goodbye, Justin. <laughs> 
<laughs> WABC News Time 519. Let's go down to Florida. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis out of the race for the White House, but he is giving advice to somebody who might make it to the White House, calling for constitutional reforms in Washington after getting out of the race. Among them, a balanced budget, giving the president a line item veto and term limits for all members of Congress. We have it in Florida. You know what? It works because people have a limited amount of time. Their incentives are to make a difference, not to stay in office for 30 or 40 years. He says all the measures long overdue would make the nation more secure, help dig us out of a $34 trillion debt. You can't just put it on the credit card. Right now, the incentives are to put things on the credit card. That's the path of least resistance. That's how these guys stay in office longer. And who ends up with the bill? Well, it's future generations. DeSantis says the only way to hold Uncle Sam accountable is to watch where the money's going. I think they're long overdue. And I think that they represent appropriate corrective measures to the ills that we have been witnessing in Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, in an effort to prevent artificial intelligence, deep fake advertisements meant to confuse voters, House Justice Appropriations Subcommittee approving a bill that would require a disclaimer. Now, here's one of the bill's sponsors. Importantly, the bill applies to generative AI content only when two conditions apply. One, when it is used in a political advertisement. And two, when it depicts a real person performing an action that did not actually occur. Yeah, these deep fakes are a little frightening. Last year, a deep fake video showing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dropping out of the presidential race was shared on Twitter without any disclaimer and was labeled breaking news. And at the time, it wasn't true. Consistent with other civil penalties for election-related violations, fines may be imposed for failing to include a disclaimer. Up to 2500 per count for the first three offenses and up to $7,500 for each subsequent count beginning with the fourth WABC News on 521, the White House planned to stop approvals of new liquefied gas exports, getting some mixed reviews. Business leaders in Texas, which is the nation's leading exporter, says this is just a huge mistake. This is the fuel that is keeping European manufacturing running in the wake of the war with Russia. That's Glenn Hammer, who heads the Texas Association of Business, calling it freedom fuel. Governor Abbott agrees, says it is a gut punch to the energy energy industry. But environmental groups love the move. The Sierra Club says the 12 impacted projects would spew out as much pollution as 223 coal plants do each year. There's going to be less supply for our friends and allies to keep their economies going and their people warm during what could be a brutal winter. Because instead of using natural gas, other countries are going to burn coal, which has twice as much global emissions. WABC News Time 522. Amazon pumping the brakes now on its iRobot purchase. On Monday, both companies revealed that they mutually agreed to call off the deal, citing no paths to regulatory approval in the European Union. As a result, Amazon will have to fork over $94 million to the robotic vacuums maker due to a termination fee. As for iRobot, the company said around 350 employees will be laid off, and its CEO, Colin Engel, is stepping down. I'm Matt Mattinson. Let's go overseas for a moment. Kate, Princesses of Wales, is back home from the hospital. Kensington Palace says she's making good progress from her planned abdominal surgery. More details about the surgery haven't been provided, but the palace has said it's not cancer-related. Kate isn't expected to return to public duties until after Easter. Meanwhile, King Charles III remains in the hospital after undergoing treatment for an enlarged prostate. 
I'm Michael Kastner. 523, California lawmakers taking action to protect kids online. Mayor Adams wants to do this here in New York City, but in California, State Senator Nancy Skinner introducing the Protecting Youth from Social Media Addiction Act. If passed, online platforms would not be able to show minors the more addictive uh, feed without consent of a parent or guardian. There's the algorithm that sometimes can be addictive. This is what would be stopped for kids wouldn't be able to see that feed. It also prohibits social media platforms from sending notifications to kids while they should be sleeping and or during the day while they're at school. Yes, so social media platforms would have to set a default time of one hour a day for minors. Another bill would strengthen data privacy for kids under 18. It would also prohibit businesses from collecting, using, sharing, or selling personal data of anyone under the age of 18 without informed consent. Democrats and Republicans, many of us come to this as parents. We're putting aside party politics, party ideology, we're trying to solve problems for our children. Yeah, if you don't have young kids at home like I do, the algorithms, oh my God, it just, it keeps those kids addicted to the phones in a way you can't believe. And you can yank that phone away for hours at a time, but the minute they get back, they're sucked right back in. Uh, the Attorney General of California, uh, Rob Bonta, sponsoring the bills, uh, says he thinks these bills all have teeth and is what the teens in California need right away. It allows the DOJ to take action to enforce the law and seeking civil penalties up to $5,000 per violation. While we're in California, of course, everybody's just talking about the 49ers. They're, of course, in the Super Bowl after beating the Lions in what was a great comeback in the NFC title game on Sunday. And what do the fans do? Of course, a lot of them are bandwagons, but uh, they you know, head to the stores to get their NFC champion merch. We made it. It's time for us to have our rematch with the Chiefs. So we got to, you know, come out strong and have our gear and ready to take the field in two weeks. Niner gang celebrated across Northern California after seeing the team clinch a spot in Super Bowl 58. And, of course, everybody out shopping. We know we've been through a lot of pain these past few years with the Niners. So now it's time to redeem it, make it all worth it, and get that sixth ring. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to. I think Kansas City's way too tough. Over to uh, Newark, New Jersey, where they had a housing lottery yesterday. This was kind of interesting. You could join this housing lottery and for a buck, you got a dilapidated house in Newark with a lot of advice of how to fix it up and a chance to get loans to fix it up. Uh, Newark is um, one of the worst when it comes to home ownership. So they had this uh, lottery yesterday. Seven people in Newark got uh, these homes. None of them, by the way, in great condition, but they got them for a buck. Uh, here was Mayor Ross Baraka during that lottery yesterday. If, you know, you're not in the lottery and pick today, you know, by God's grace, you'll be picked sometime uh, in, in a near or the soon future uh, as we get more and more houses and make them available for you. So thank you. I say good luck to all of y'all. I wish you the best. I pray all of y'all get a house. Now, to Newark's credit, they did not do this willy-nilly. The winners were among dozens of people who pre-qualified last year for the program that sells these dilapidated city-owned properties for a buck. Qualifiers had keys with their names on them stuffed into the spinning basket. Think of like um, bingo, right? One of those baskets. The houses are far from move-in ready. The properties have all been seized by the city for non-payment of taxes, bills, or other debts. They're really 
really in bad shape in need of work. They need hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work to be uh, fixed up or torn down for that matter. The hope is that one, two, and three or four family homes will be rehabilitated into beautiful multifamily homes. I see people who uh, have the power uh, to make changes in their lives and their neighborhoods. The fact that you're here shows that you are determined um, and that you have the will to become a homeowner. Um, in our great city. Yeah, so hundreds of people attended workshops on home ownership and finances last year with the mortgage company Neighborhood Assistance Corps of America, which offers mortgages to those who would not qualify normally for a mortgage. So seven people won yesterday. Hopefully we'll meet one of them during the course of the day and we'll play back some of that tape tomorrow. Homeowners will be borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix up these homes. Newark has one of the lowest percentages of home ownership of any city in America. And why not take those houses that have fallen apart and have somebody put them back together and give somebody a chance at home ownership? I think it's a win-win. Let's hope it is for everybody across Newark. Let's take a look at Wall Street closing with stocks higher yesterday. This comes as the Fed will kick off its two-day meeting today. Most investors expect the central bank to hold those rates steady once again. Actually, that meeting is going to take place tomorrow. At the closing Bell, the Dow gained 224 points. S&P 500 was up 37. The Nasdaq rose 172 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Monday, January 30th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Could see some flurries this morning, then a mostly cloudy day, high 39. Tonight and overnight, the clouds, yeah, they hang around low 35. And I'm starting to wonder if we're ever going to see the sun again. Tomorrow, more clouds, high 42. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 34 and cloudy in Long Beach out on Long Island. It is 36 and cloudy in Long Branch down in New Jersey. And it is 34 and cloudy outside our Midtown studios right now. We'll start this half hour in New Jersey. Bizarre moment on Sunday night into Monday, 8 of Freehold's public schools were all of a sudden shut down, a cybersecurity incident. They won't tell us a whole lot about this. We reached out to the FBI and to the school, but the school superintendent, Neil Dickstein, wrote a letter to parents, an email, that they were going to restore all the computer systems school-wide and that classes would be back on today. Here's what parents got when they picked up their phones, their cell phones, and got this message Sunday night into Monday. We have retained outside IT expert consultants who are working around the clock to assess, contain, remediate, and fully restore operations. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like somebody just took over the entire school system. But Dickstein telling students today that they should leave their school-issued Chromebooks at home as part of the precautions to ensure they say this incident is contained access technology today will apparently be limited parents first notified about this on sunday night puts you in a tough spot if you don't have daycare i don't know what you're supposed to do 
Yeah. So specific details about the incident, again, not provided. The FBI said it's aware of the incident, but they would not provide us with any additional details. It's worth noting that nearby Central State Hospital, it was targeted by hackers back in December. That might exactly be what took place here in the Freehold School System over the last 48 hours. Let's bring it back here into the city. Some frightening moments. Two brothers from Queens in custody after an arsenal of homemade weapons in a hit list found in their apartment, Queens DA Melinda Katz says Andrew and Angelo Hatsgoulis are charged with the 130 counts after live IEDs, body armor, ghost guns, including assault rifles, were found in their Astoria home following a six-month investigation. The fact that these weapons will never be used. And the city's a bit safer today because of it. Katz's office says the NYPD bomb squad called in. The area evacuated. Anarchist propaganda and a hit list mentioning cops, celebrities, politicians found. There was no one specifically named on that list. The brothers, they could get 25 years behind bars if they're convicted. Anytime you find this amount of weaponry, is uh, it makes me very concerned and should make people concerned. Rebecca Weiner, she's the NYPD counterterrorism commissioner. She lists off some of what was found in this Astoria home. We've got six privately made firearms, including two AR-15 style weapons. We have 600 rounds of ammunition. We have eight functional improvised explosive devices. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Courtney Nealon, she's with the NYPD Intelligence Division, says they recovered multiple writings that showed the brothers are very anti-government and anti-society. We did recover multiple writings, multiple notebooks, showed that they were just very anti-government, anti-society. Uh, there were writings in the notebooks uh, quoting Charles Manson, very into human destruction. You know what's so unusual here is you usually get one person who's doing this, but to get brothers who are working together, that's really unusual. Uh, neighbors say the brothers were not friendly at all. Well, that's not shocking. They're not congenial. They're not friendly people. <laughs> okay. Thank God they, they figured out what they were up to before they carried out any sort of crime. WABC News Time 539. City Council expected to vote today to override the mayor's veto of a controversial NYPD bill. City Council will decide if it should implement the How Many Stops Act just days after... Harlem City Councilman Yusuf Salam was pulled over for having tinted windows beyond the legal limit on his car. These happen all the time. So, you know, he's not surprised by it, but he caught, they caught the wrong person. And then they try to walk away from that. But now you've been exposed. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is, you know, ongoing issue. That incident had some city council members upset. A handful of council members shadowed the NYPD on a ride along over the weekend to understand how reporting every stop would impact officers' daily routine. That's part of this bill is every interaction with the public would have to be written about. Salam was supposed to be one of them, but backed out. The NYPD says the stop he was involved in was a level four, which means paperwork is already involved. Listen, I'm not an officer, but I thought when you stop people, you're supposed to tell them why they're being stopped, right? Is that what you're supposed to do? They never did. And then when he said who he was, they let him go. But that doesn't sound like good policing. You saw a crime being committed. You stop somebody and then you let them go. Fishy. 
Yeah, the city councilman, Salam, told the officers that he was on his way to do some work. It's not clear if that was the case. Uh, they did not tell him, at least from we could tell from the body cam, what he why he was pulled over. New Yorkers can't agree on whether the measure should be pushed through at all. If the cops are standing here on the street, if I go up to them and tell them something, do they have to write, they have to write that down? I mean, like, I can't approach a cop anymore. Why not? Transparency. Isn't that what... Isn't that what we seek here in New York? Transparency? Yeah, we'll see what happens in the city council a little bit later today. Restaurant owners in the city say a proposed state bill to raise the minimum wage for waiters would mean higher costs to the customers and potential layoffs. Paul is a bartender at Gallagher's Steakhouse in Midtown Manhattan. He says he makes a lot of money just off tips alone. The harder I work, the more I made. It's kind of the same here. I would say probably uh, 75 to 80 percent is tips. So currently the minimum wage in New York City is 16 bucks per hour, but there is a sub-minimum wage for tip workers. That's bartenders and waiters, and it's less. It's $11 an hour. The assumption is they make up the difference, and then some usually, with tips. But Assemblymember Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas says that's not always the case for all waiters. Women of color are tipped much less than white men, and it is very unjust and unfair. We want to make sure that folks can still take home that extra cash, but that their paychecks are able to provide a livable wage. Yeah, so she says the new bill being considered in the state legislature would require restaurants pay their servers minimum wage. Servers could still be tipped, but of course there's the fear that customers know they're making the minimum wage. They may not give them those tips. Andrew Riggi, he's the executive director of the New York City Hospitality Alliance. He says this bill is a disaster for the restaurant industry. It would cost about $12,000 more per year to employ each full-time tipped employee. We could see more restaurants close. We would see more restaurants reducing employee counts, some restaurants even shuttering. So it's not clear if this bill has enough support to pass, but if it does, there would be a five-year phase-in period to give restaurants and customers time to adjust to it. Just an awful story out of Rockland County overnight. An eight-year-old boy pronounced dead just feet from where a school bus hit him last night. The accident happened outside of school at the intersection of Clinton and Stern Street. This was in the village of New Square. Police rushing to the scene. The uh, bus driver stayed at the scene. The driver was still on scene and is cooperating with the police at this time. It's currently under investigation by the accident reconstruction team. First responders say the boy was on his way home at the time of the accident, seemed to have accidentally stepped in the way of the bus. Investigators, we were watching on early this morning, photographing the scene, collecting evidence uh, around the bus for hours. Let's bring it back into the city. Of course, the migrant mess continues here. Migrants still arriving by the busload, thousands of them from the U.S.-Mexico border question is what happens to them next after we take care of them more than a handful of migrants in the city getting the opportunity to learn new skills that they could translate into a new career thanks to a culinary school designed specifically for them vicky lopez she's 23 years old she came here from nicaragua last year she's a law school graduate but the political unrest there led her to new york where she's now learning to dice red pepper she's one of 10 migrants chosen for this new pilot program with ccap which stands for careers through culinary arts program so for the next five weeks these asylum seekers migrants whatever you want to call them from colombia ecuador haiti nicaragua and venezuela will be taught the basics of food prep 
and hospitality. And the hospitality industry, uh, for the most part, loves this because they're down so many workers, they need the help. The opportunities that have been offered by this program make me feel like it's a good transition, like I'm ready to move on to the next step. So in lesson one, they learned how to julienne vegetables, a whole bunch of other things. After the training, they'll be placed in high rest, uh, high-end restaurants while another group is brought in. There's currently funding for 50 migrants all have to have work permits. Uh, here's the head of the program. They're going to get benefits that are amazing, um, good pay, and they're going to be in companies like Union Square Hospitality Group, which is an incredible company. Yeah, so we'll see how this program goes. We'll monitor it. But again, these are people who've already obtained work permits. will now get the training to work in the food industry. And across the board, the hospitality industry says they're down so many workers post-pandemic that, yeah, they'll take the help. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. At 515, we introduced a new sportscaster. Her name was Rhonda Moss. She did a pretty good job. But now we'll give uh, Justin Ellick a chance Uh to show how good he is right here at 545. Yeah. Well, I didn't really appreciate that normally. What's that? You know, I I know my hands were tied, but... uh, You had your plate in a a hummus or something like that, or you were eating a falafel, and you decided not to show up. Why is it always that I have to be eating something? Why why, why can't I just I don't know. It's very visual. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See it all over your beard and everything. Right. Okay. I I get that. All right. I I guess I forgive you. Okay. I'll get local here because, uh, you know... We did like, have some like Maccabi action. Tel Aviv, you mean? Or? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no, that's not kind of local. Okay. We're getting New York local here on the hardwood uh, in the NBA. Last night, Jalen Brunson scored 32 points. Dante DiVincenzo added 28, and the New York Knicks kept rolling, even without the injured Julius Randle, defeating the Charlotte Hornets 113-92 for their seventh straight victory. Josh Hart chipped in with 12 rebounds, 8 points, and 7 assists for the Knicks, who entered with the fourth-best record in the Eastern Conference at 30-17. and 17 The other guy is hurt, too, the guy that got in the trade from uh, Toronto. Oh, OG Ananobi. Yeah, he's hurt too. Mm-hmm. Well, Randall, in the case of Randall, at least, he missed his first game since dislocating his right shoulder on Saturday night against the Heat. Knicks coach Tom Thibodeau offered no update on Randall before the game, saying the reliable forward is continuing to undergo testing. Uh, the Knicks will be right back out there tonight at the Garden, welcoming in the Utah Jazz for 7.30 p.m. Tip-off in Brooklyn. Ben Simmons, you haven't heard that name in a while, had 10 points, 11 assists, and 8 rebounds in his return from injury. McCall Bridges added 33 points, and the Nets routed the Utah Jazz 147-114 last night. Simmons hadn't played since November 6th because of a pinched nerve in his lower back. The number one pick in the 2016 draft played 18 minutes off the bench, made all five shots, and likely would have had a triple-double if not for a minutes restriction. The Nets outscored the Jazz by 27 points while Simmons was on the floor he did not commit a turnover that's sports gnome that's justin ellick's sports on 77 wabc back to you all right let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning one of them continues to be overseas president biden weighing options to retaliate against what they say are iranian-backed militants behind the drone strike in jordan that killed three u.s soldiers isn't uh, injured dozens more over the weekend we will respond we'll do that on our schedule in our time and we'll do it in the manner of the president's choosing as commander-in-chief. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there telling reporters the president has been holding meetings with his national security team. He stressed that the U.S. is not looking to engage in war with Iran, which, by the way, has denied involvement in the attack. Reports suggest the enemy drone evaded U.S. air defenses because it was mistaken for an American drone returning to the base. It marks the first U.S. troops killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. The counter-ISIS mission is separate and distinct. Indeed, it has been long-standing and unrelated to 
our efforts to support Israel and to prevent a wider conflict in the region. We do not seek another war. We do not seek to escalate. But we will absolutely do what is required to protect ourselves, to continue that mission, and to respond appropriately to these attacks. Of course, everybody wants to weigh in on this. Defense Secretary says he's outraged by the attack. The President and I will not tolerate attack on U.S. forces. And we will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who is back at work after being in the hospital. Republicans demanding the White House do something after the attack that killed those three American soldiers. One of them, Congressman Tony Gonzalez, he's from Texas. He says getting flashbacks of what happened right before the 9-11 attacks. No one heard of al-Qaeda before, but they were they were bombing the USS Cole. They were bombing embassies leading up to that. Feels the exact same way. One of the uh, three Army Reserve soldiers killed in that weekend drone attack in Jordan lived in New Jersey. Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, 46 years old, from Willingboro, New Jersey. All three of the reservists killed assigned to the 926 Engineer Brigade that was based out of Fort Moore, Georgia. Let's bring it back to New York. You had a bunch of buildings, five in all apartment buildings, have had no heat, no hot water since Saturday. Some sort of underground problem with the pipes and Con Ed. There was a time yesterday for about an hour where the water came on, but then all of a sudden it went back off. Neighbors, uh, some have just escaped the building to friends to get the heat and the hot water. Others don't have the means to do that. A lot of elderly living in these buildings. No hot water, no heat. I'm freezing to death. Well, I went to the gym this morning to shower. Uh, I was hoping it would be fixed by now, but uh, we'll see. I don't want to get out of bed. My hair is filthy. So far, it's like, oh, it's coming on in an hour. Oh, we had this. It's coming on in another hour. Yeah, so Con Ed says it's isolated a section of steam pipe affecting service to these five buildings due to water from a water main break leak. They say it's entered their underground steam vault system. I got to be, I don't really understand it all, but whatever it is, it means they don't have heat and hot water in these five buildings. This is near a 3rd Avenue and 37th Street, not so far away from our studios. I'm more worried about the older people in the building. Um, I was just able to go to a friend's house, so I'm not too worried. But there are some, some older folks that definitely don't have access to that, so I'm definitely a little more worried for them. Yeah, so apparently the problem is not over yet. Once the city figures out how to fix the leak, they will have to shut down the heat and hot water all over again to fix everything. We've been getting emails from the building management, uh, but it just seems like every time just, you know, we're still working on it, we're still working on it, we'll keep you posted. Uh, no definitive timeline. And you got to love this. Just in the moment we were doing this story, we're just getting some information that actually water has been restored to these Murray Hill apartment buildings. The heat, though, that has not back on. Of course, we'll follow the story as the morning wears on. Big story at City Hall today. High-profile showdown. Mayor Adams, City Council will vote today on whether to override the mayor's vetoes of a pair of law enforcement bills. One measure proposed to ban solitary confinement in city jails. Our own Curtis Lee was outside Rikers Island talking about this bill last night. Now I'm back to the rock, but you know I never left. You just, well, the city didn't elect me mayor. But this mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, he's left the CEOs out to dry. This whole bill about eliminating solitary confinement, that was over with with the Blasio. That is nonsense. And now they're going to be putting 30 of these guys on a bus with no cuffs? That is insanity. 
Look, when the cops make a bus, they cuff the guy and they put him in the back. You're going to have 30 people on a bus and they're not going to let you cuff them? And then if all of a sudden one of these guys starts to slice you, what do you give them a timeout for two hours? Then you put him back in the general population. They don't even move him from his area of confinement. They have made correctional officers an endangered species. You got a friend in Curtis Sliwa. I'm coming after Mayor Eric Adams, that's for sure, in this city council, because nobody's looking out for you in this city. All right, so one measure proposes to ban solitary confinement, as you heard from Curtis there. The second, known as the How Many Stops Act, would require NYPD cops to document all encounters with the public. We'll watch this vote as it takes place a little bit later today. So much is bad, uh, so much bad is said about uh, school and education. And so once in a while, it's nice to highlight the good stuff that is going on. Victor Popart, student at North Brunswick Township High School in New Jersey. His mom's picking him up for uh, from dismissal at the school. He tells her he's not feeling well. He stopped talking for a second and he said, Mom, I feel dizzy. And as I was telling him, oh, we'll get you some water. Mm-hmm. He passed out. Yeah, so she ran into the school for help. The closest room was the music class. Brett Gray, who's the choir director at the school, is also a football coach. He ran and grabbed an AED and alerted the school security. By the time he arrived, the school security team was there. And not before they started uh, started to administer CPR right away. So the interesting part is all these security personnel at North Brunswick High School are retired police officers. They know something about doing CPR. As I'm doing CPR and any cop will tell you there's something called your last breath. It's your last deep ovular breath. Well, as I'm doing CPR, he takes a big gas. It was like, you're not dying on me before Christmas. Not with your mom here. Yeah, they didn't give up. Uh, Mindy Steinman, another security guard, said that they were determined to bring Victor back to life. And I felt this strong pulse, and I, I told him, I said, we have a pulse, and he let the whole world know that we had a pulse <laughs> at that moment. I actually think we high-fived at that moment. I always remember um, just how selfless they were. Yeah, so... They were all honored yesterday. This incident took place right before Christmas. As for Victor, it turned out that he had an irregular heartbeat because doctors caught it now. They can help prevent it from happening again. So you can imagine he and his mom pretty thankful for what these security guards did to save his life. We were most certainly with the right people in the right place. I owe my life to them, really. Yeah, you do. I wouldn't be here without them. Yeah, great job done by the security team, North Brunswick High. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.